Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his trusted assistant, Michael Pop, as they explore the intersection of faith, movies, and our contemporary context. Welcome back to Christ, Culture, and Cinema. How are you today, Michael? Well, I uh, I got volleyball in the brain. You do? We, we had our girls uh, play last night in the local tournament, quarterfinal. We got state tournament uh, this weekend. We uh, mm-hmm. got to come back to semifinal and hopefully a final. Hopefully they're playing a lot of games the next couple of days. So it's volleyball mm-hmm. time. Then yes. soccer comes up. And that all comes to Huge. A, that all comes to a conclusion. And, and then we enter time. the never-ending <laughs> basketball season. God help don't, us one and all. Don't get me that excited. Come on, I got a job well, to do here. You know, for those of us that are not in the basketball frame of mind, it kind of becomes the nightmare. Oh boy. I'm gonna get not you on board. Unlike the nightmare oh, before oh, Christmas, today's movie. I didn't see that coming. Bam. That you should have. Good yeah, we're, today we're looking at the Nightmare Before Christmas that came out uh, October thirteenth, nineteen ninety three. Oh. There, there's a, that's the immediate release date, and then there's a second one like October 29th. That's what I had. Yeah, yeah. twenty ninth. So I got some uh, some really couple week preview. We can two and a half weeks out yeah, there. Yeah, huh? they they kind of leaked it out to the world oh. there, and you know the cost of this movie was twenty four million dollars roughly. Uh, with a box office return. Now, mind you, this is 1993. Long time ago. For a stop-action animated movie, $91.5 million. Yeah, I, I was uh, surprised by a couple things. Yeah. Uh, what did you say your budget number was? About $24 million. Okay, so I had 18. Mm-hmm. But the number of people and the number of years oh, yeah. it took to do this, I expected it to be a lot more. Yeah, this movie, we're going to take a little divergent path so. today because... There's so much technical stuff about it that I it's think when you turn it on and watch, you don't appreciate it right away. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you start digging around and you realize this is a fairly amazing little movie. Well, we're talking about a poem mm-hmm. that was going to be a movie that Disney said, uh, no. And then it only took a little success from our, our producer writer yeah. who wanted to direct it, Tim Burton. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it was like, well, we don't like the script. And next thing you know, that uh, Danny Elfman, Elfman uh, yeah. is writing songs for it. Right. No script. Just, yeah. Just Burton saying, hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking. He's writing songs. He said it was the easiest thing he's ever done. It's yeah. amazing the way this came together. Yeah, let's kind of talk about it. So it's a yeah. story by Tim Burton. Who went to work for Disney Studios as an animator, which I did not know. I didn't either. In 1982. Yeah. Uh, and we know Tim Burton from movies like Batman and the uh, that whole first boot of series there. Uh, great series. Beetlejuice, yep. Edward Scissorhands. Uh, movie I keep telling you, we're going to do Mars Attacks and <laughs> Sleepy Hollow. Uh, he did that reboot of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the reboot of Alice in Wonderland. He's done some very... Weird, creepy, edgy kind of stuff. Yeah, you missed uh, Corpse Bride. Yeah, I did he miss wrote, that. He wrote that. I mean, I was looking at what he wrote. Edward Scissorhands, Corpse Bride, and weird. So he he's, has. He's a different kind he of guy. leans towards the the odd, the unusual, the macabre. Now, having said that, now Tim Burton is struck by uh, the the takeover of 
reindeer and snowmen from ghouls and goblins in the stores. Right. And he writes this poem, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And he has this vision of turning it into uh, a movie, uh, uh, maybe a short. They really thought about it being a uh, animated short. Right. Uh, and yet, when he comes alongside another Disney animator who he had known and worked with, Henry Selleck, uh, and we know him from James and the Giant Peach. That's kind of his biggest piece out there, yeah. solo-wise. Uh, all of a sudden, it becomes a full-length stop-action animated movie well and what was interesting is disney didn't really want to do it and then when tim burton left them and did beetlejuice mm -hmm. and batman all of a sudden it's like oh hey uh, maybe uh that little project is a good deal but notice where they release it they don't release it under the disney label they no. release it under touchstone a little, a little too dark for disney well they thought it was going to scare the kitty kids yeah. now if you go over to our kindergarten and go ask some of our kids, what is their favorite movie? They're going to tell you, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Crazy. Which is crazy. Now, But it's the music. It's, 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 it's the music. They love the music. I know when you started watching this, you thought, what the heck are we doing? That's right. Why? This is like a weird, weird musical weird. Halloween Santa Claus kind of nutty thing here. But let's talk about the cast. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the the uh, the movie itself and the production of this movie and and what I think Tim Burton maybe stumbled into without realizing it's what he stumbled into. Uh, the cast is made up of uh, several people uh, characters, and the first is Jack Skellington. He is really the the kind of the, he's the main character. He's the main guy. He is in charge of Halloween. This is his role. He is a scary pumpkin oh, king. Yeah. And, and he's such a big deal. They yeah. needed two guys. Yeah, well. So weird. So the first is Danny yeah. Elfman, who does all the singing. And we know Danny Elfman because he is a musician par excellence. He's everywhere. Uh, but his group, come on, Oingo Boingo. Yeah. You got to love that. I mean, yeah. when I was looking at his credits and, yeah. and it brought up Back to School with Ronnie Dangerfield, yeah. it's because he was in Oingo Boingo. Oingo thought, Boingo. Oh, Isn't that that's crazy? It. That's his music. And But consider, he's so. done the music for Pretty Little Liars, most recently, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse, uh, the new Space Jam release. He he was uh, for that. He's the music of The Simpsons. I, that's iconic. How about yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home? He's done the music for Stranger Things. Yes. So he but is a big time musician in Hollywood. He, he also acted though in Corpse Bride, right? And Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. A little so, bit of acting too. Now, but he's the singer. I mean, he's, he's the, voice. the singer. Now, what's interesting is to do the speaking voice, <laughs> which is really funny that they just didn't have Danny Elfman do the speaking the voice. voice. Yeah. But they got a good actor. They got Chris Sarandon to do that, notably for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No. Uh, What's he notably known for? Come on. Orange is the New Black. No. What is he really known for? ER. Princess Bride. <laughs> Come on. It's the Princess Bride. I wanted, I mean, to, see, I wanted to see how far yeah, I, I could take it before brain. you lost your he, brain. He he is he is in Princess Bride. I mean, yeah. everybody knows him as the Prince Humperdinck. He is. He's Humperdinck. He is Humperdinck. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody out there would be like, oh, I know the face. Yeah. Humperdinck. Humperdinck. That's who he is. So. Uh, now, playing Jack's... Um, 
Well, I guess we'd call her a the love interest. Well, femme fatale, yeah, the kind created, of the love interest. The uh, yeah designed and created, designed and created love interest. Yes. Sally Finkelstein is voiced by Catherine O'Hara, who we can say this on Christ Culture and Cinema. She's really most known recently for Shit's Creek, and that yeah. it would be S C H I T T S. <laughs> Creek, as we cover ourselves on Christ Culture and Cinema. I, I, I should have I should have bleeped you out when you said it. Bleep. Yeah, you could have done that. Um, but she's been in the Adams Family, a series of unfortunate events. Uh, she was a voice in Frankenweenie. Yeah. Uh, so that's another kind of Halloween macabre uh, type of movie. Now, what's the movie everybody's going to know her face from? Uh, you tell me. Home Alone. Come oh, on, this is, this is mom. Home this Alone. She's. True. I think she's known for Home Alone. I mean, she was in uh, Adam's Family, yeah. uh, Surviving Christmas, Wyatt Earp, The Paper. But between Beetlejuice mm-hmm. and Home Alone, that's her face. That's how everybody knows. So like, oh, that's the girl. And we're yes. gonna we're gonna see that Beetlejuice thing. You can tell there's that Tim Burton who he's comfortable with. That comes up a few yeah. more times. This is true. Um, definitely people he knows. Now, playing the voice of Dr. Frankelstein is William Hickey. And we know William <laughs> Hickey for one movie above every other movie. The Blessing. <laughs> what? The Blessing. <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Didn't I just send you that meme that anyone oh, that yes, doesn't quote did. Christmas Vacation at least oh, 100 yeah. times in the next eight weeks is not worthy to be your friend? That is absolutely <laughs> correct. Oh, my word. And by the way, folks, that movie is coming up this that year coming on up. Christ Culture We're going to cover it. We are going there. Yeah, William Hickey is known for that, but he, has been, he was around forever. And he was in the original producer's... Uh, that came out in 1964 or 5, the Mel Brooks movie. Long time. Um, that, that's long before Matthew Broderick uh, revival, right. you know, with Nathan Lane. Uh, so he has been around a long time. Mouse Hunt is another one. But here's a funny thing. I never knew this. He was in Tales of the Crypt. Oh, oh HBO. Yeah. I used to watch yeah. that. I had uh, Forget Paris with Billy Crystal. And maybe one of the greatest movies ever made that we have not covered yet on Christ Uh-oh. Culture and Cinema. With Steve Martin, My Blue Heaven. Oh, you love that. I love Every that time movie. we leave a tip. Oh, I believe in over-tipping. That's my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Now, playing the mayor of Halloween Town is Glenn Shaddix of The Voice. And, oh, by the way, he was in a little movie with Tim Burton called Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Uh, how about Planet of the Apes? Uh, Teen Titans, Lloyd in Space. Um, the world of Steinboy. I got yeah. Heathers. Yeah, he's been in. Love a little Christian Slater. But he's done a whole lot of voice. Yeah. But a lot of TV and video games. A lot That's of TV right. series, a lot of video games. A lot of these guys that we're getting into now, you can tell we were doing a. Is it animated? Do we call it animated? Yeah. Is that is that kind of still screen animation? Right. Yeah, I, it's a little bit different. Well, you know, and this is such a different movie. But what I'm what I think is fascinating is all these actors and actresses are finding secondary uh, careers in video games. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, it's Every amazing. good movie becomes a video game. Absolutely. Or a video game becomes a halfway okay movie. <laughs> the, the, the Nightmare Before Christmas is a video game. Oh, yeah. You know, Oogie's Re- Revenge or something. It oh, was, it was like, oh, yes, my yes. Goodness. We're going to get to Oogie Boogie. But yeah. next, next I have Locke, who's voiced by Paul Rubens. <laughs> 
Paul Rubens. So, if this is 1993, is this yeah. pre or post Paul Rubens uh, indiscretion? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's pre. Must be pre. And this is yeah. Paul Rubens of Pee Wee's Playhouse, uh, Big uh, uh, Big Toy Pee Wee, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, he's Buffy the Vampire. He was ever. You know, my niece loved. Pee-wee's Playhouse. But one I noticed he was in, which was actually made me surprised because Tim Burton wanted to direct this movie, but was doing Batman Returns. Yeah. So they said he was only on set like eight, ten days of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. But it shows Paul Rubin was in Batman Returns. Oh, yeah. And he was in this one. So, you know, obviously bit parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he was able to do both. Able to know, kind of run between a places. Tim Burton guy. Now, playing the the big villain of Halloween Town, Oogie Boogie, uh, voiced by Ken Page. Uh, and this guy, again, some, some great work here. All dogs, a singer. Go, all dogs Go to Heaven. Love that Dream movie. Girls. Torch Song Trilogy. He was in uh, the stage production of Cats. Yeah. Uh, he's a singer. And that's what this movie required, by the way. It where became a, lot a musical. Of, yeah, it became yeah. a musical, which I don't know if Tim Burton ever set out originally for that no. but this no, no, is no. what it became and it worked they, they did not like when he tried to have it changed into a screenplay he did not like it and that's where he and uh danny elfman elfman yeah elfman. started talking and and elfman just started writing songs yeah and he didn't give him the screenplay he had because he didn't like it he just started telling him kind of what he wants right the songs wrote the musical then. yeah it's kind of cr- it's, it's it's one of crazy. these creative montages yeah. that just was the right people at the right time. Definitely. Uh, the voice of Santa, or as uh, Jack Skellington calls him, Sandy Claus, I love that, uh, Edward Ivory. And you got to go on the Wayback Machine here, but he was in a little movie that was wonderful. Nine months. Oh, yeah. I like that one. Great movie. Long Road Home, Blood Red. Um, Rampage. Yeah, some good stuff there, you know. Yeah. Uh, playing Big Witch, Susan McBride. And now tell me, this isn't a Disney uh, person. She voiced in the Goofy movie. Mulan is another one that she Mm -hmm. has. And then she was a voice in Rugrats on uh, Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. So Uh, another... A lot of animated stuff. A lot of animated stuff. Now, Corpse Kid, played by Debbie Durst. Uh, We know her from uh, just a couple of things. Uh, But again, a lot of animated stuff. Monkey Bone. Hey, Monster Hands Off. The Day I Grew Up. Uh, really surprising, you know, how many Not of a these, whole lot. These were genuine voice actors and actresses, for the most part, doing this. Right. Not your typical, hey, that's the voice of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or that's the voice of Vin Diesel, or fill in the blank. These were genuine voice actors and actresses. Uh, playing the Harlequin Demon, Greg Proops. And we know him from Whose Line Is It Anyway? He's a stand-up comedian. But... Primarily, he is a voice actor. Uh, he was a voice in Star Wars Episode One, a voice in Brother Bear, schooled. He was a voice in Star Wars Resistance. A lot of Star Wars. Uh, a voice yeah. in Lego Star Wars. Oh, and by the way, he's the voice of Bob the Builder. Bob the Builder. Yeah. Can he build it? Yeah. Yes, he, yes, can. he can. Yes, he can. Yes, yeah. he can. And he can voice but. it. <laughs> Whose line is it anyway? I mean, I love those guys. Oh, they were brilliant. Fun together. That was such a great. He was in the Drew Carey show too, but yeah. Then he he went and did uh, whose line is it anyway? But again, very good improv guy. But here's a guy who's made a career 
off of his voice. voice. Yep. Amazing. Good voice. Uh, the Man Under the Stairs is played by, voiced by Carrie Katz. Uh, here's a couple of movies that I thought were hilarious. I Am Legend. That's a good movie. Only to be matched by Robin Hood, <laughs> Men in Tights. We are the men. <laughs> All right. We're going to go there, are we? Titan A.E. Yeah. Uh, the Swan Princess. Yeah, yeah. So again. Good then, stuff. You know, uh, not a lead actor no. or actress. A lot of chorus. A lot of chorus stuff. That's where we find them. Yeah. Uh, playing Mr. Hyde is Randy Crenshaw. Uh, and again, all chorus stuff. Look at this. Mamma Mia. Uh, he he was a uh, he was in Blades of Glory. <laughs> I love that movie. King Kong. King Kong. King Everest. Kong. Ready Player One. He was in the chorus for Mamma Mia. Here we go again. There you go. You know, so Phineas and Ferb. So if you are one of those people like Randy Crenshaw, you know, IMDb tries to put a really nice profile picture. Yeah. That's the best I could come up with? Yeah, he kind of looks like... A little uh, scary. A little, little creepy. Looks like he belonged in King Kong. Yeah, it looks like a uh, werebear or yeah, something. It's not good. I think they could have found a better picture. Uh, I, I, we're not a visual medium here, but no. you may want to look him up. It's kind of funny to see that well, on well, IMDb. A well, little well, scary fan. Uh, playing the mummy is Sherwood Ball. Uh, Out for Justice. Love.com. Uh, 102 Dalmatians, another Disney flick. Uh, they had another one. Yeah. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. He was a regular on that show. Uh, really kind of interesting career, but again, I, smaller actor or actor. I did like the movie Always. Yeah, uh, Always is good. Beautiful movie, but again, very simple part, performer. Mm-hmm. You know, not even a name. Yeah. But good movie. I've got two others. I have The Undersea Gal, voiced uh-huh. by Carmen uh, Twilly. Uh <laughs> And we know we know Carmen from Norbit, yeah. licensed to wed. Oh, by the way, I am legend again. Another Singer. voice, Mamma Mia, and Mamma Mia, here we go again. There we go. You know, so Mamma Mia, I think probably did more for vocalists in Hollywood than any other movie franchise in recent memory. Uh, Singer in Lion King, one and a half. Mm. There you go. Never watched it. I think that's only on Disney Plus. Yeah. And then finally, the last one I have is The Wolfman, voiced by Glenn Walters. And I love this. The only credit I could find, the Hoodoo Rhythm Devil. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. He was the lead vocal, though. That this is true. That was nine years earlier. He must have uh, just been one of those, ah, sure, I'll help you. So what I find about this movie is, Number one, the production, we could probably spend the entire episode just talking about how this thing was made. You know, this is the old stop action, you know, using the little figures. Mm-hmm. One second of, of film literally takes 12 or more yeah, 12 to 24 frames. Of the, of the figures and frames. The, it's crazy. The figure I saw was 109,440 still frames. Yeah, to make this movie, and it was a shorter movie. Yeah, I mean, it was an hour yeah. and a half. Uh, right, I forget what it was. Hour and fifteen. Well, hour and you know, you minutes. go. Let, you know, and we're going to be talking about a little of this. So, if you fast forward and you go into the Christmas season and you go back to like Rudolph the Red Nosed mm-hmm. Reindeer, A Year Without a Santa Claus, uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Those were all stop action. 
you know, Christmas specials. Pictures of them. But they were 40 to 50 minutes. I guess they had clay ones. Television shows. That's what they were. This is in that vein, that genre of of style of making movie. But much more complex. Way more complex. Way longer. They said 100 people spent three years putting this together. Three Uh, years. Three years. Three years. Um, Each minute of the movie took a week of filming. Can you imagine? Uh, unbelievable all the patience they needed to do this. I and mean, that's crazy. So, so here are some of the m- numbers I got. 13 animators and eight camera crews were working on this. And it was over 100 uh, camera operators, puppet makers, set builders, and prop makers on, on set. Yeah. It was incredible what they had to do. The way they put the scenes together. Yeah. They were using like nine sound stages. Yeah. 13. I mean, it, it was fun. And, and here's the interesting part. You know the name we didn't say. Because he got cut from the movies, only on the soundtrack. Patrick Stewart did a narration at the beginning and the end of this movie. Oh yeah, they cut. They cut it. They cut the Star Trek legend, right? They, they cut Jean Luc Picard. Only made it, uh, they only made it to uh, the soundtrack. They cut Doctor Xavier. Yeah. He's on the he's on the floor. So in- incredible stuff. Uh, Jack Skellington had four hundred different heads for filming for Holy the different God. facial and 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 his girlfriend um, Sally. Yeah. Because of her hair, they just made masks. She had all these different masks for her facial expressions because yeah. they didn't want to mess with the hair. So mm-hmm. incredible what they did for these characters to make them come to life in this still frame stuff. So we could get lost in all the technical That's not. stuff in this movie. But when you peel it all back, it's, it's really Tim Burton uh, being struck by how quickly the ghouls and the goblins... The ghosts and the witches of Halloween get shoved out in light of the reindeer mm. and the man in his red suit, trees, the the, the ornaments, the lights and the ornaments, the snowmen oh, yeah. and the reindeer, all those things. And, and he was struck by this, which led to writing this poem, "The Nightmare Before Christmas," where Jack Skellington is is kind of pondering, like, is there more? There has to be kind of more. He's yeah. he he does Halloween like nobody's business, but there must be more. And as he's wandering uh, and kind of gets lost in his thoughts and lost in his little world, he stumbles into Christmas Town, and all of a sudden he's barraged by bright lights and snow and Christmas trees and presents and people happy and people singing, and he's overwhelmed by the season that is coming. And really the movie from there is is really about Jack Skellington trying to captivate, capture, take over Christmas because he wants that feeling. Right. He wants that celebration and he wants those in Halloween Town to experience that with him even though he doesn't understand why it is what he wants. And, you know, it really got me thinking as you watch this movie that maybe, just maybe, Tim Burton stumbled into something about life and the rhythm of life. You know, when you look, uh, biblically speaking, into the Old Testament, let's go Old Testament for a moment here, shall we? Sure. Um, And as you look at the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they had a rhythm of life. It starts with Yom Kippur, 
the Day of Atonement, uh, the day of confessing sin and sins being atoned for, which immediately is followed by Rosh Hashanah, a new year, the the new year, which leads to kind of a, a fall harvest festival, tabernacles or booths, which then goes to their high, you know, really their their great day of celebration, Passover, and then their calendar is capped off by Pentecost, 50 days after the, the Passover. And the Jewish calendar has a rhythm and flow. Uh, the Jewish people know this is going to come every year. They can follow it. They can be uh, dependable to it. Uh, it gives them changes, seasonality, and the like. Uh, think about this then now through the Christian lenses. Follow me with this one, Michael. All right. I'm following. Uh, you're, you're tracking. You're, you're tracking Trying to with figure out what you're putting down. I, I think the same thing happens with us. You know, we, we kick off our year with Advent, kind of this preparatory season. Right. Uh, leading to Christmas. Christmas leads us to Ash Wednesday, our day of atonement and confession and absolution, which ushers in the season of Lent. Our two weeks. Our, uh-huh. our time of preparation spiritually for Holy Week, which culminates in Easter, the resurrection story. And that Easter then leads to Pentecost. Now, our understanding of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, the gifting of tongues, uh, the sharing of the faith in various languages, and the e- explosive growth of the church. Peter and, growing up. And guess what? We, we kind of follow that calendar within the church. There's a seasonality. There's a predictability. I, I think, you know what you're saying? I remember how my calendar changed a little bit going from the classroom to the pastoral office a little bit. Yeah. You know, because a teacher has a calendar, mm-hmm. how they, they go through each year. Same kind of thing. You know, we certainly have a calendar of what the expectations are and how we go through that. Yeah. Now, I come back to the movie. And in the movie, Jack's whole calendar is Halloween. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's what his it job. Is. It's his job. And it's huh. to do that job well. But everything leads to and leads away from and then prepares back for Halloween. I, I think the movie did a brilliant job the day after Halloween, they were looking for Jack to plan for Halloween, Halloween 364 yeah. days later. Yeah. And it showed they had one singular purpose. And that's right. why Jack's like, mm, And I love this so in much. the movie because when Jack finally stumbles into this area where there's, there are these uh, kind of tree trunks with doors, and there's a door with a heart on it, a door with a clover on it, there's a door with a turkey on it, and so on. All of a sudden, Jack realizes... There's something bigger mm-hmm. than just Halloween, that there's a rhythm. I want you to think about this secularly now. We've talked about a Jewish calendar, a Christian calendar. Let's consider a secular calendar. And if you really look at how the ebb and flow of the secular society runs, uh, and folks, just go to your local Walgreens or CVS because they will tell you, or Walmart for that matter, what the calendar is. Oh, yeah. How do we know this? Uh, Valentine's Day. You know, right after, as soon as January rolls around, all the red stuff comes out, all the hearts and the like. It does. And soon as we get about a week before Valentine's Day, everything starts turning green and clovers and St. Patrick's Day. And as we get to about the beginning of March, everything starts turning. Bunny, bunny, bunny. Bunnies and eggs and Easter, the secular celebration, like a spring celebration. 
Now, I would tell you in the United States, we're, we're absolutely uh, bookended by Memorial Day and Labor Day. Those two holidays. And don't forget Cinco de Mayo. Well, nah, I'm mm. gonna. That's where, where maybe mm. in Arizona, where I used to live in Tucson. But those bookends tell us when summer begins, right. when summer ends, uh, which then rolls into oh, Jack Skellington and Halloween, because all the decorations come pouring out in August now. Yeah. Uh, in preparation. Right about Labor Day. Now, we were up in uh, western New York, uh, up in Rochester, visiting family, stopped at a Home Depot to buy a plant. It was the end of September, and all I could see was Christmas decorations. Christmas? Yeah, Christmas already. End of August? Hard. Holy cow. Well, end of September. End, end of September. September. Okay. And, you know, I think that's where Jack was at. All of a sudden, Getting Jack is seeing out. he's being feeling mm. pushed out. Halloween leads to, in our secular calendar, Thanksgiving, which leads to Christmas. Christmas. And why do I bring all this up? Because when you watch The Nightmare Before Christmas, Jack is struggling to see where he and Halloween fit into the rhythm of everything else. And, and I think we as people need rhythm. We need seasonality. Right. We need markers to tell us where we are and why we are, and in many respects, who we are. That's why the Christian calendar, as a quote-unquote liturgical church, that's what we are in the Lutheran Church, uh, Missouri Synod, of we which got we our are calendar. a part. We got a calendar. Yeah. And we know, and you're experiencing that rhythm now, aren't that you? That three-year calendar, yeah. Yeah, you know what's what's rolling down the tracks well ahead of schedule. You know, you know what's going to be there. And it's important to have that. For Jack Skellington, he only knew Halloween was 364 days away. And when he discovered Christmas... And he jumped in. He jumped yeah. in. He was kind of excited about he it. He wants some of that. He wants so some of that. You brought up the scene with the doors. Yeah. When, when you're actually rewatching that, because I know after you listen to Christ, Culture, and Cinema, you can't wait to watch the movie again. Of course. Um, the scene where he's looking into the doorknob, there's that reflection yeah. the Christmas door. Yeah. They said it was the hardest part to film, to really? get that reflection just right. They really? really had that reflection in the door. You know, this is an animation. This is them with the models. and Oh, yeah. And it's really neat, because then, of course, when I was watching that video about that, they showed it, and it's like, Wow. Isn't to think cool? about that because it's not CGI, it's not right. video. It's it's them with these puppets basically yeah. making them work. It's it's pretty and, cool. And it's a cool scene. I know we don't want to get too technical, but we have to with this movie. It's oh, part of the joy of it. What it is? Well, let me tell you, the movie was such a profound success. It's now part of the Halloween experience in Disney World. You know, right now they're having the not so scary. Uh, uh, Mickey Universal. Halloween oh, party Disney, in yeah. Disney. This is a Disney movie. It is. And, you know, Jack Skellington and the whole cast is a part of everything in Disney World in their celebration of Halloween. I think I think the thing showed Hollywood Studios and somewhere in Hong Kong, they add Skellington and some of them to a couple of their uh, already done haunted houses and that. Oh, yeah. For this time of year, yeah. Yeah, so that's all so kind of integrated. Now, he has made a big time. Now, Disney came to Tim Burton, and they wanted, <laughs> they wanted to do a sequel. And, you know, again, I come, back, I come back to the calendar. He understood that he accomplished what he set out to do 
in recognizing the necessity of ebb and flow of calendar in our life of celebration and the, and the like that maybe he maybe Tim Burton is not influenced by a Christian calendar at all I kind of doubt it uh, or a Jewish calendar for that matter but he absolutely understands the necessity of seasonality in life and he said what would be the point of Jack Skellington like now being the nightmare before Thanksgiving or St. Patrick's Day so or Easter or fill in the blank so I'll be Disney yeah you'd be Disney and I say hey Tim, I'd like to do a sequel, and you say, what would be the point? I say, what's the point of that? Money. Yeah, and then what is... would have made a lot of money. And what does he say? He Mm, says... No. No. And then Disney said, well, we can make it easier. We can do it CGI. And that's when Tim Burton just about lost his brain on this, and he went, (laughs) no, this is a standalone creative piece that we should admire. And, And we'll never see a movie like this again. No. It would cost way too much for what you'd get. That's it right. It would be so much harder. If one frame was out of place, they had to refilm the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, CGI. animation, CGI, no, yeah. they wouldn't have to. I mean, they could make it look better. Yeah. It would be much cheaper. Sure. And it's not what Tim set out to do. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I think there's also, let's talk about seasonality again. I think there's a time and place for things. This is, I think, one of the most creative uh, created pieces of film. It's truly art. Yeah. It may not be your style of art, but it is art, and, and it needs to stand alone. And we keep talking, Tim, Tim, Tim. It was his vision. It was his poem. It was his right. idea. Right. But it was Henry uh, Selick, yeah, who literally did all the work. I by mean, the, there was that question: whose film is it? By the, it's by the called way, Tim Burton's Nightmare yeah. on Christmas. But right. Henry did the work. Well, by the way, uh, just have to tell you, you know where Henry's from, don't you? No, he's a Jersey guy. Oh, of course. <laughs> no one. They, in fact, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman, who were friends, yeah, got into a little disagreement with this. Uh, Tim Burton used a couple other people for his next couple musical issues. Yeah. Um, well, you get falling out. You get creative people yeah. together. You're going to have tension. That's just the reality. This is true. Well, I think this leads us to our question of the day, which to me is how is your life guarded and driven by rhythm and schedule, seasonality? You know, what do you look forward to? What are those things that kind of move you along throughout your day, throughout your month? throughout your year do you have the totes up in the attic of christmas decorations and uh easter decorations thanksgiving decorations halloween decorations and the like do you acknowledge those things are they important to you do they help you in your expression of life and of faith i think it's a pretty good place to go with this because i would tell you that was jack skellington All he had in his attic were Halloween decorations. And all of a sudden, he wanted more. He needed more. He needed to be driven to more. Now, with that being said, if you would like to consider leaving a rating or a review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on, it would be a tremendous help for other people to find us. Also, if you haven't checked out the written form of Christ, Culture, and Cinema, How Faith and Film Intersects, that book is available on Amazon. Now, next time, next time we're going to be right there on the cusp of Halloween. Uh Uh-oh. 
So we do, do I need to start playing the Halloween music? Uh, well, you know, we thought about doing the movie Halloween, but we haven't really ventured into the genre of horror. Yeah. We haven't done any of those, have we? Of course, what would be the Christ part of slasher flicks? Uh, keep your clothes on. Uh, don't, don't upset anybody. I do love that. I do love that one commercial (laughs) where they're like, you know, let's go into the barn and all you see are all these hanging chainsaws and chainsaws. (laughs) And she's like, why can't we go in the running car? I just love that commercial. It just makes me laugh. Now we're going to go into a, a movie that they've just made a sequel to many, many years later. It's a Disney movie. That movie is Hocus Pocus. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies. Thank you for joining us for Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his assistant, Michael Pop. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>